Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another fabulous episode we have here beyond the cover. I am one of your hosts, John Robin. Of course, I am here with my great co-host, Jeff Ayers. Jeff, how you doing? Doing great. How was your trip? Man, the trip was fantastic. If you guys follow Suspense Mag on Twitter, that's the handle, at Suspense Mag, you'll catch some great photos that I put out there um, about the trip. And so, yeah, Thailand was fabulous, and Cambodia was, was fabulous, too. We realized that Bangkok was probably a city we wouldn't go back to, and we would spend more time in Cambodia and do that because the people were just so nice, so genuine, so honest, so um, welcoming. It was great. Oh, that sounds neat. So you're fit to be tied. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I got a little tongue-tied. Yeah. But the one thing <laughs> I did do, it was funny because whenever you go to a McDonald's, you stand out there and you see Ronald McDonald. He's sitting there, and he's like in his kind of bow motion, you know, like he's bowing. And um, – I think he was trying to say, you know, make sure you go get the uh, double fish fillet when you walk in. It's to tie for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, enough with the bad jokes because I'm not a comedian. Um, I'm barely a radio person. Clearly. So, I, yeah, you know, I, I don't even laugh at my own jokes. I don't think that's pretty good. But we are honored uh, that we're back, and our first guest here, or our only guest tonight. Um, is the second in her Veranda Cruz mystery series, and her name is Isabella Maldonado. So we're happy that we're able to talk with her tonight. So thanks for getting her on, Jeff. Oh, yeah, my pleasure, and I'm so glad she was uh, free to do this tonight. Absolutely. And we want to remind everybody that we are brought to you by Kensington Books, so make sure you visit kensingtonbooks.com for more information on their authors and their new releases and everything that they have going on. So without any further ado, let's just jump right into it, and let's bring our guest on the air. So Isabella we want to thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing tonight? I am doing great. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thanks for saying yes. Not a lot of people do, so we appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Especially well, we'll a woman saying yes come, to Jeff and I. We're not used to women <laughs> saying yes to us, so that's really good, too. Well, I do have a gun, so, you know, I can defend myself oh, if I need to. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Thank God we're in three different parts of the of the United States right now. <laughs> so let's just kind of jump in here to your like, like I said, it's the next book in your series of your Veranda Cruz mystery series. It's called Phoenix Burning. The book actually comes out here in um, a couple days. So I yeah, believe March eighth, Thursday, March eighth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so why don't you tell everybody? Uh, do so. Do the, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about this book, and then kind of go back and get them set up, since this is the second book in the series. Kind of set them up, maybe with the first, and you know, kind of move and let us know who Veranda Cruz is. Right. So the first book in the series was called Blood's Echo, and that um, features Detective Veranda Cruz. Um, she is a Latina Phoenix police detective. And uh, she goes up against the Mexican drug cartel. And a lot of people um, don't understand that 
major city police departments do get involved um, with even with international crime, usually as parts of task forces and things like that. And so that was the nature of, of how she became involved because a lot of people would be like, oh, you know, she's not with the DEA. I don't understand, but, you know, but you don't, you don't have to be. So um, I wanted to set it in Phoenix because um, I felt like a lot, of, uh, a lot of authors had really done a great job of covering New York, L.A., Chicago, Miami. And I thought, you know, Phoenix is amazing. It's the fifth largest city in the United States, and um, it's a beautiful city, and I love it. And I thought, you know, this just needs, this needs more attention, and it's a great city. Well, uh, talk a bit about your background, because when I was reading about what you used to do, the last thing I thought was writer, personally. So not only talk about about your background, but what sort of prompted you to want to start writing? Yeah, well, um, my background, I do, I had uh, 20 years, more than 20 years, 22 years in law enforcement. I wore a gun and a badge. And um, the last position that I held was I was a captain. That's when I retired. And I retired as the commander of the Special Investigations and Forensics Division for my department. And um, so over that time, I had a lot of different positions. I had worked as a hostage negotiator. Um, I'd worked as a patrol officer, as um, an instructor at the police academy, as a precinct commander and um, gang council coordinator, and then one of my favorites was also I was a spokesperson for the department at one point, so I did have to, I was that one that you see who goes on television and tries to explain the inexplicable and um, has the reporters firing questions at me and things like that, but I always had an abiding love of reading, and I, you know, I loved crime fiction, mystery, thriller, you know, even some horror, all kinds of things. And so I just really always knew I wanted to write, but there was no way that I had the time to do it until I retired. And so after I retired, I spent about five years really digging in and studying the art and craft of writing really hard, putting a lot of effort into it before tackling a full-length novel. And so that was kind of like, you know, because I felt like if I'm going to do that, and I published like three short stories first, you know, to sort of make sure that I knew what I was doing or at least had a plan. I don't think anybody really knows what they're doing when they write their first novel, but that at least I had a plan, you know. And, and so my police background does inform my writing. That's why I knew I wanted to write a police procedural. And I didn't want to write it about my own department. Um, I thought that might lead to too much trouble. I may do that in the future, but I need some more distance between myself and that. So I, I picked another um, major city department, and um, I have a lot of contacts on the Phoenix, Phoenix Police Department, so I was able to make it really authentic. And that was um, one of the goals I had was to make the reader feel like they're really there, like when you're walking uh, down the halls of the Violent Crimes Bureau, the description is extremely accurate all the way down to the color of the carpeting and everything else that really does exist in the Phoenix Police Department Violent Crimes Bureau and everything else that goes on, too. Now, you like to say that, you know, like you just said, like, like you place people like they're there. So what's kind mm -hmm. of the one thing that a lot of people, you know, never see the inside of a police you know, precinct, and they really don't know what goes on. They just kind of see maybe the dramatization on the TV and the things like that. What's one of the things that is like a myth buster 
something that you might hear people talk about or this and that, but it's like that doesn't really go on in law enforcement. I mean, that doesn't really happen that way because things are a much slower pace. They're not as phonetic as they are, like, you know, on the law and orders and the CISs and the things like that. Yeah, well, actually, and that, and that is true. When and it gets more and more challenging um, with more technology and a lot of the restrictions and things like that that go on with the different police departments. And I'll give you a really good example of that. Um, right now, in particular, the Phoenix Police Department has instigated a rule where, you know, an officer who's involved in a, in a fatal shooting, they can be uh, immediately placed on administrative leave for as long as 30 days. Well, that would certainly kill the pacing of any kind of a novel. Right. So, you know, to have every time your hero gets involved in a shooting or something, you've got to stop the action for a month. Um, but that is, you know, that's kind of a reality. So there are times where you have to kind of write around it. And it's like I, I know that that's the reality, but I kind of have to, you know, suspend disbelief and work things a little bit differently because um, the way that things do occur, everything slows down and the investigation is extremely tedious every time an officer takes that kind of um, lethal action or, or uses lethal force. Hmm. Uh, well, my question was actually about lethal force. Um, you write about cartels, and cartels are not known for feed giving their victims chicken dinners. Uh, how do you, uh, I, I guess, write around, I guess, the violent aspect of what you write about? Well, I kind of plunge into it. Um, I just sort of hit it head on. Um, some of the violence takes place off stage, but some of it actually is on stage. And I did that for a very, very deliberate and specific reason. I do not believe in gratuitous violence. So um, the violent scenes that I portray are done very much for a specific reason to move the plot forward. And also, I did not want to romanticize the cartel. And I think that there is a little bit of a danger of that. I think that, you know, that we all sort of went through that a little bit with the, uh, with the mafia a couple of decades ago. It almost got romanticized with some of the, you know, the mafia novels and then the movies and stuff that followed. It was almost like, oh, they have this, you know, this code and they're honorable and this kind of thing. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to go there. And so I really wanted to show the ugly, brutal side and make sure that no one got the idea that there was kind of a romantic side to that at all. They're, they're ruthless and um, needed to be characterized as such. Interesting. Thank you for that. Yeah. So what was the idea of, I guess, coming out, like you said, you know, with your first novel, um, Blood Echo, but then, you know, Phoenix Burning, but why did you want to come out with a series when you were thinking of writing, was it Veranda that was kind of talking and that you had to do, you, you wanted to have a character that was going to go through? Or did you just not want to maybe come out with like a standalone story and kind of see how it works? What was your thought process behind wanting to go ahead and start right into the series part? I, I love that question. That, that's really great. And it's from the moment that I imagine uh, Veranda, and she does have an unusual name. Many people have asked me, why did you call her? Well, if you read the book, you'll understand why she has that very unusual first name. And that's part of her story. That is like part of the whole reason behind everything that she does. But from the very first time that I imagined her, 
I knew that she had kind of a journey. She had like a, a long character arc that would take several books to tell. Um, there's a start and a finish to it, but there's this whole character journey for her to take. And um, it was important to tell the whole thing. So um, I knew, and it, it was such a, it was such a, a major problem that she had to work through and her whole family and everybody else that was involved with it that I always knew. And I kind of had it laid out in my mind each novel, even in the very beginning before I even finished the first one, really before I started it, I knew kind of where I wanted her to start and where I wanted her to finish with this, you know, sort of set. Hmm. Well, I'm amazed by your story about how you even got your start writing with the books. Um, I'm talking about, of course, how you pitched to an editor at Midnight Inc. And then, um, (laughs) so could you talk a bit about that? And then I would love it if you'd also talk a bit about being a Thriller Fest debut author. And last year you also were able to get an agent at Thriller Fest. Yes. Yeah. Now this is the part where other writers would throw rocks at me if, if they were here. So. (laughs) <laughs> I don't make any friends That's, when I tell yeah. this story in the writing, but, but it is, it is simply the truth. And, and maybe the best way to look at it is that, you know, everybody has a different journey. And so, so my journey was, was definitely different. So um, the story that happened is, uh, so I had been, you know, working on this, on this first, on this first novel and I had uh, someone who was working with me and, you know, editing here locally and that was really the only person that ever saw it besides me, the manuscript, you know, and we'd been working on it for a few months back and forth, you know, the editor and I. And then um, so Terry Bischoff, the acquiring editor from Midnight Inc., came out to one of our conferences. And normally Midnight Inc. does not accept unagented manuscripts. But when Terry is uh, at a conference, she will accept pitches. And so she went ahead and did like a mini pitch fest, if you will. Um, and so everybody at the conference was, you know, lining up to do their pitch. And I was actually emceeing the conference. I was the president of the um, Phoenix Metro chapter of Sisters in Crime at that time, the Desert Sleuth chapter. Um, but so I had, but I had to get in line, and I just, you know, I had my 60 seconds to, in, um, to give her my pitch. And you know, and she had warned everybody that she normally just asks for for five pages, so don't expect anything different. And so I went ahead and I did my, you know, 60 second elevator pitch. And she kind of looked at me, and then she started asking a couple more questions about it, and she looked very intrigued. And then she said, "Well." you know, send me the whole manuscript. And I'm like, what? You know, <laughs> I did not expect that threw me for a total loop. And so I said, okay, and, you know, no problem, of course. And so then I uh, rushed home and did, like, one more pass through for final edits and sent it off to her. And I thought, okay, after I sent it off, I thought, okay, now it's time for me to get an agent because, you know, I need to really get serious about this and start figuring out how I'm going to do my query letter and all that stuff. And then um, before I got that done, um, they, Midnight Inc. contacted me and offered me a three-book deal. Um, so I went ahead and did that. And so then I had the situation where I had a three-book contract without an agent. Um, so that was rather the cart before the horse, the way it normally goes. So this uh, this past year, um, I became a debut author with um, ITW, and um, I wanted to go to Pitch Fest to find an agent. And, of course, everybody's telling me, oh, you'll, you'll never find an agent because you already have a book contract. And I said, I know. I'm sort of, you know, I'm swimming upstream. I realize it's kind of unusual. 
But I thought to myself, you know, if there's if there's an agent, if there are agents there who can't see what they might be able to do with me, then they're probably not the right agent for me anyway. And so I went through and did, you know, the speed dating that they call pitch fest up there. And, I'm one know, of the door captains everybody. there, so yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And I've taken pitches yeah, for really three is? years, so yeah. Okay. Well, you do know, you know, and um, oh, yeah. so it's kind of funny. But what I, I I hit them with the with the premise of you know the first book right away, and it was like every agent was like, "Ooh, that's cool," you know. Um, but there were several that the minute that they found out that I already had a contract, they were just like, no, you know, so I thought that's fine because they're not for me, but several of them were still very interested in me. And um, then one of them in particular, um, Liza Fleisig, uh, was the one that I ended up signing with. So um, that turned out to be a great relationship. She and I have been working really hard on trying to pursue other rights for the story and then, you know, continue with with other ventures and things like that, you know, she was not in the least bit, you know, had any kind of problem that there was some contract in place. So, and here's kind of another ironic thing about it is I remember when I was standing in line at ITW, there were a couple of people behind me getting ready to go into pitch fest. And I heard them complaining. They're like, Oh, I think this is just BS and no one ever really gets a deal out of these things. And I finally couldn't stand it anymore. I turned around. I said, Hey, I'm here to tell you that these pitch things, they work. I, you know, I got a contract out of one and I'm determined that I'm not leaving New York without an agent. <laughs> and, you know, and it happens. So Good for you. Like, yeah, it, it can happen. Yeah, absolutely. You got to believe in yourself and put yourself out there and, you know, tell your story, and it was definitely very, very beneficial. And it was kind of funny. They both kind of looked at me like, oh, okay. And I said, yeah, so, you know, you better practice your pitch because it's serious. <laughs> yeah, but here's it the works. thing. It, you know, it's how I got my agent, of, too. Yeah, and, you know, and we've taken a lot of pitches over the time. We've gone to a couple conferences. You know, we go to Seattle, and we've taken pitches. And New York, we've taken pitches for, you know, three or so years in a row. And the one thing that you notice, you notice right away in the first ten seconds is this person serious or are they not? And you can figure that out right away. Because the funny thing is we probably only get, when we go ahead and say, go ahead and send over like, you know, the first three pages or whatever we ask for, we only get about 50% of them. The other ones, I don't know what the hell they were doing. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's funny. Yeah, that it's is funny. kind of shocking. And Why then, are you there? And then they don't even know the term <laughs> editing because you're like, okay, has your stuff been fully edited? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. My 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 my, my critique group's gone through it. No, that's not Uh-oh. called an edit. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, you need, my mom you need thinks I'm a good writer. Yeah. Your mom is not <laughs> yeah. a good editor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You so do. the answer you, you is need a no. And the other thing too, and and I can't emphasize this enough, is you know your attitude with your editor. And I remember you know when I first started working with an editor, you know she was almost like almost like concerned, you know, she's like, okay, I have a bunch of edits, it's, you know, it, it's okay, and don't get upset, and I'm kind of like, hey, I want it, give it to me, you know, lay it on straight, and, and I asked her later, I'm like, you know, she goes, you're, well, she was telling me, she's like, you're, you're great to work with, you're always so really great about taking these edits, and I looked at her, and I said, do you have people who don't, and she goes, oh, you wouldn't have any idea, you know, I give people edits, and they get mad, and they yell at me, and they want to keep the stuff the way it is, and I, I'm thinking to myself, what a waste of everyone's time if you don't listen to the editor. Yeah. 
Right, you know? 100% agree with that and, one. And, you know, you have to. What, what are you doing? I mean, now there are times where, yeah, I know what I'm doing and there's a reason why I'm doing it, but the overwhelming majority of the time, you know, if she's pointing out a problem and she's spotted something, it's a problem, and I need to deal with it, and so I need to fix it, you know? <laughs> so, right. Okay, well, that, that kind of leads into my question then about fixing it, because you wrote Blood Echo, and you kind of got that done, and then all of a sudden, boom, you, got, you, know, you had a lot of time to write Blood Echo because you didn't have a book deal, and all of a sudden you caught it, and then now you had to turn around and write Phoenix Burning. So when you decided that you were going to do Phoenix Burning, and then after you wrote Blood Echo, was there something that – your fans are going to now see a different maybe Isabella Maldonado in this book as a writer compared to Blood Echo? Yeah, I think each each book you write, it gets better. And it, it's funny because I've heard many writers say, oh, you know, my, last, my latest book is my best. And I'm thinking, well, it should be. You know, you, you should get better with each book that you write. You know, you really, you know, hopefully, especially a newer writer. I mean, if you've written 100 books, then, yeah, you probably you are there. But, you know, when you're starting out, each book should be better. And so um, I really spent a lot of time in edits on that book, um, the second book, Phoenix Burning. I mean, I really, really, really did. And, you know, trying to smooth it out, trying to hone my craft, trying to make it better and better each time and, you know, I was worried about the sophomore slump. I've heard all the, you know, the stories about, you know, um, how the second book can sometimes be the death of it or whatever. But, um, but I think the second book is, is just great, and I'm really happy with it. It's been very, very well received. So um, I've been very pleased that all the extra effort and extra time has, you know, has paid off. Did you see yourself having to change your writing in any way as a result of uh... – Let's just say the current political landscape. Oh God. Um. Yeah. Well, no, to be not vague really. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. And I, I do. I try to stay away from politics like the plague, because um, exactly. there's no winning in that. Um, but no, not not really. I, I mean, I realize that. <laughs> Sorry. I realize that. <laughs> Should I said I thought I muted myself. I guess I didn't mute myself too no. well on that one. <laughs> you heard. <laughs> But I do realize that anybody could use the book, you know, sort of to make their own point. And that, but that's a lot of things are that way. You can sort of make something, sure. make your point, whichever way you want to make it. So, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, different sides can use it for different reasons. So I'm, I'm trying to just tell the story because I started off with that story in mind and I'm kind of sticking with my plan. Well, that's neat. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. Because I think it's easy for authors and people to kind of see what is going on in social media, seeing the reaction that people are getting to different topics and whatnot, and maybe trying to write to those topics because they think they're going to get more fans. But the problem is, is that you might get those fans, but you might lose other fans. So it's always better to, you know what, just write and just write it well, and however it comes out, it comes out. I think is just the way you have is, to do it. That is exactly what I what I was doing. You know, like I said, I, I kind of before I even started, I had this idea about kind of where I wanted everything to go, and so yeah, I've I've stayed true to that. And you know, the the political climate has changed, and things have you know moved around in that respect. But you know, the the story has stayed the same. 
And when you're thinking about writing the villains, because now, you know, you have Veranda, so, you know, she's going to move through and she's going to have her way. So you're, you kind of got her, you kind of got her solidified. It's just, you know, you're tweaking and doing whatever she's doing into the next book, but you have to always come up with that next villain, that next bad guy. Is there like personality traits that you want to make sure that they have? Is there something when you're writing them and when you're thinking about writing them that you kind of want to make sure that you get down or do they just kind of, materialize when you're starting to think of the book and then they just kind of show up that way? Well, it's, it's a little bit of both, but it's, it's mostly sort of thinking ahead. When I, um, one of the reasons that I wanted to write about, about a, um, her sort of confronting a cartel, there's a couple of different reasons I wanted to go in that direction. One, because I feel like, um, you know, again, I knew I wanted to write a, a police procedural, so it's kind of like, okay, what is her main adversary? What is the dark force going to be that, that she combats? And I felt like, you know, um, a lot of people had done the serial killer thing really, really well, and they'd done an amazing job of it, but I'm like, I wanted to do something different, you know? And so I'm thinking, you know, to my mind, I, because I have a background in law enforcement as a law enforcement officer, um, the people that fascinated me, the, the criminals that were a challenge to me, were the ones who weren't crazy, but who were sort of sociopaths, who, who had a, an exact reason for doing what they did. It was extremely well thought out, and they worked and moved with a purpose, and they had a plan, and they would execute the plan, and it was um, – and even if they were part of a team or an organization – as opposed to a, you know, a lone wolf serial killer type person, but someone who was part of a team. And and I thought about it like the police department is one kind of force and then the cartel is another kind of force and they're like opposing forces and they're, you know, they have to go up against each other. And so they meet at different points along the, Mm -hmm. along the storyline. And so I, I created it so that different, people within the cartel would sort of come to the fore in each novel to be the main antagonist or the main um, villain for her. And, you know, of course, she also has antagonists within the police department as well um, that she has to deal with, but that there would be that, you know, so each person has a different personality and I, I wanted to have it fully fleshed out and, and people have written to me and that's one of the things that they really enjoy is how um, the people in in the cartel are very fully fleshed out, and they're not the the cardboard mustache twisting baddies. You know, they they really do have a lot going on, a lot of psychology behind them, and and things like that. And it was very important that they be just as fleshed out as her team on the department. And really, also the other thing that that I like about this is it's really a story of three families. It's, you know, the, the cartel family, it's Veranda's family. Um, I like to call it my big fat Latino family. Um, uh-huh. You know, her, her noisy, boisterous, interfering South Phoenix family that gets involved in everything that, that she does. And then also her police family um, that is dysfunctional in its own way. You know, all the families kind of have, and so there's three families and they all kind of intermix and the, their own plots twist together and they're all kind of pulled along, and there's a lot of interaction between them. And so all of them are very fleshed out. And that's actually one of the nice things I like about your book is I'm not going, well, I just want more of one because I'm interested in everybody. 
And so I, I like that, and thank you for doing it that way. Um, so I'm curious, since you did say that uh, you had a three-book deal with Midnight, Inc., what is your vision beyond that third book? <laughs> well, um, it's kind of like I always – I had always thought that the, you know, sort of the – her journey would take sort of four books to tell the whole the whole story of how she deals with the cartel and everything that's going on there. But then that must end. You know, um, there is a, there's an end point where, you know, everything kind of is resolved one way or the other, you know, between her and that particular incident. And then after that's over with, if she carries on, then it would sort of settle into more like a regular police procedural where she is a homicide detective in Phoenix doing the job that, you know, investigating murders and, you know, like, like an ordinary homicide detective would do, as ordinary as she could possibly be. But that would be kind of how it would go forward after that. Okay. So thinking right. of continuing the series also is what it sounds like to me too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Right. yeah. But only only well, one only the only the beginning part would be you know the story of her and the cartel you know. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what I think that it's time has flown here, and we want to thank you so much for coming on. It has been absolutely fascinating to talk with you. But I want to give you a chance here too to kind of let everybody know you know your social media website where they can find you. So what is all that fun social media stuff? Sure. Um, my website is is the best place to connect on all of those platforms, and it's um, isabellamaldonado.com. It's really easy. And That's from that easy. website, there, yeah, isabellamaldonado.com. And from that website, there are links to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, Instagram, um, author page on um, Amazon, and then all the buy links for the, for the two books and my event schedule. I have a ton of events coming up. And um, for people who are, who, go, who are going to Tucson Festival of Books, I'm going to be at Tucson Festival of Books this weekend. I'm going to be all over the place there, and I, I hope that a lot of people come to that. It's an amazing festival. It's huge. It's like the third biggest in it's the nation. One, yeah. It's really big. Mm-hmm. It's a good yeah. one. So. That's fantastic. Well, and again, and and mm-hmm. the book comes out um, May uh, March eighth, so it's going to mm-hmm. be here Thursday. in two days. So it's going to be available on Thursday, yeah. but it's available to pre-order now, and people can go and pre-order Phoenix Burning, but Bly Buttock at the same time start reading Blood Echo, and then by the time you're done, Phoenix yeah. Burning is in your Kindle, and you're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So Absolutely. That's set that's up right perfect. here. Come on, let's go, people. <laughs> go, go check it out. Because you see people walking around, oh, I need to find a new author. Oh, I need to find a new book. No, you just need to get off your ass and go click on something. That's what you got to do. Because they're all right there for you. We got one right here. It's about Maldonado. I mean, we rated your Blood Echo book in Suspense Magazine. We gave it a stellar review. And, you know, we're going to have Phoenix Burning probably in there. Jess could actually do the review for us on this one. So we're going to have that review in our magazine for April. Um, Yay. So, yeah. So there we yeah. go. Oh, that's great. That's great. I'm I'm so excited. Thank you so much for, for
for having me on and giving me the chance to, you know, oh, to sure. try to reach out to a new audience because, again, for a newer author, it is people don't want to take a chance. But I'm like, hey, yeah, take a chance. It's, you'll like yeah, it. Yeah, and you know, and we and I and I've done Midnight. Um, I've talked with Midnight Inc. for probably like the last seven or eight years, and great company. Uh, they do a lot of great mm-hmm. work, and you know, they're always top notch. So it's, uh, you know, it's one of those publishers yeah. that. You, you you can count on when when you see a midnight in book you know that it's going to be a top notch book because they that's what they do so yeah. that, that's also another good yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm very honored, very honored, and very lucky, you know, to yeah. have gotten to have gotten that. So very thrilled. Well, thank you so much again for coming on, and we wish you thank nothing you. but the best. Thank you. I appreciate oh, and, it. And and have fun and yeah, thanks again. Yeah, and okay. have fun on Take the road, care. have fun at the Tucson Festival, and, you know, uh, we'll <laughs> catch you soon. All right, very good. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. So, again, everybody, that is yeah. author Isabella Maldonado. Go to IsabellaMaldonado.com for more information. You can connect with her that way on all of her social media. The book is called Phoenix Burning. It's the book two in her Veranda Cruise mystery series. You can go right now and pre-order it on Kindle. It comes out March the 8th. But you can, like I said, you can get Blood Echo, and then you can get this one, and you're right in the rain, and there you go. You're off and running. You got yourself a good 750, 800 pages worth of fabulous reading ahead of you. Good stuff. So, uh, so let's transition in here to our topic of the night uh, of what we're going to do. And we're going to pull up, and it's that time already. I mean, they call them summer blockbusters, but they're already starting in March and March 16th kind of has the first one coming out. It's, it's the remake of Tomb Raider. Of course, if people remember the video game, and then Angelina Jolie played in um, Tomb Raider uh, 1 and 2. And I was just at the Tomb Raider temple in Thailand and tweeted about it, so you can see. She never tweeted back at me, but I did tweet it at Angelina Jolie and saying, hey, just went to the you know, Tomb Raider temple, blah, blah, blah. But, um, so that's Did you coming hit up out. Arrow on, and down arrow and uh, no, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> so that's coming out March 16th. I, I mean, what well, is, I, I thought the um, first, I I thought the first is, two um, Tomb Raiders were pretty good. Um, I'm looking forward to this one. I wasn't really a big fan of the others, but I keep thinking that it's got potential, so I'm hopeful. I'll wait and see the reviews, of course. I mean, I, I actually thought say, that. Well, go ahead. Yes. Oh, I was going to say that Alicia Vikander was just cast in uh, the film version of Marsh King's Daughter, which happens to be um, Suspense Magazine's uh, best book of the year, if I remember correctly. Yep, Crimson Scribe Award winner, which is the best book of 2017. Yeah, and I thought it was uh, the best book I read last year as well, so I cannot wait to see it on film, and having her cast in the role should be interesting. You know, I thought that the second Tomb Raider was pretty good. I mean, the Cradle of Life, I kind of liked that. I thought the concept was pretty cool. So I thought that one was pretty nice. But, I mean, really, when you look at video games going to movies, uh, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna piss off the, the hardcore fans because you're never really going to have to be – you can never do it exactly the way the video game is, people. It's like, come on. But, um, right. you know, as far as the action movies go and whatnot – I thought that they were fun, and that's and I, and I was entertained, and that's all I can ask for is from a movie. Just entertain me. Well, you could argue that video game adaptations are lacking in character. They are, because you really don't have a character. You don't really get to know right. the people. It's just pixels on a screen. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, so it's tough well, to really anyway. get to know. Well, and then so the week after that, do. do you know what the, I didn't even know they were doing this. I just happened to get the list here, and I'm looking at the list. So the weekend after that, March 23rd, they're remaking Robin Hood. So Robin Hood Origins is coming out. Is that the one with the guy from The Kingsman? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, it is. And they say it's gonna it's going down the dark and gritty route with Robin Hood Origins. Origins, and it's like, okay, um, I guess you know I didn't even know it was coming out. So they haven't done a lot of promotion for it because I've seen Tomb Raider everywhere, but I haven't seen shit about Robin Hood. Um, the one movie that's coming out March 30th that my daughter's ready and she and she wants to watch, and even Shannon said she wanted to watch, is that Ready Player One. That looks really entertaining. That book is phenomenal. The book you know, is one of the best really sci-fi novels out there. And it's also an homage to Steven Spielberg. And the fact that Spielberg directed the movie, I am stoked. I cannot wait. Yeah, I think that's – and I've seen, the pre, I've seen the promos for that coming out. That happened like a month ago, so they've really been hitting that one hard. Yeah. And if, if it's half as good as the book, it will be a great film. And then coming into April, um, Disney's first entry into the blockbuster season, not really a big thing. It's called Magic Camp. Um, it's not really sure that much about it. <laughs> I know. But um, uh, they also have a wrinkle in time set for early March, so that one's kind of coming out too. We kind of missed out on that one on the list. That's actually, that's April actually 3rd, coming out this Friday. Yeah, a wrinkle in time. That looks pretty cool too. Um, Great book, and then, I'm looking forward to it. And then April 13th, we start off with our first superhero movies. Um, X-Men, the new mutants, uh, will be out. Haven't really seen much about that one yet. So have Is to that coming out in April? I thought that was coming out later. Yes, yeah, it's April 13th. Interesting. Okay. It's yeah. horror. It's not, um, it's not uh, like the X-Men we're familiar with. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's yeah, it's different than that. So you gotta put things away in what you thought about. Uh, April twentieth, they say the Pact. It's a rated R comedy. Um, yeah, okay, enough about that. Um, then we have our next video game adaptation on April twentieth. You know what that one is? That's The Rock is gonna be in that one. That's Rampage. Probably a little oh, easier to do because giant it's eight. just a bunch of creatures going around killing stuff. Nice. Yeah, so Rampage comes out on April 20th. <laughs> then we start hitting May, and May was generally the month that the whole, you, hold you on, started. Hold on, things. there's an announcement change since you got your list. Um, they announced over the weekend that Avengers is opening on the 27th. Oh, because I was April. just coming to Avengers, and they had that as May 4th. Yeah, they just moved it up a week, so it's coming out April 27th. Oh, well, you know, that's the Avengers Affinity War. Um I didn't care too much for Age of Ultron. Um, I didn't really watch Civil War that much. I kind of got a little uh, aventured out, really. I thought that it was really saturated by that point. So I'm not I, really I liked sure Civil what to War think of a lot, and um, I thought Ultron could have been better. And I'm really yeah. excited to see what they're going to do with Infinity War because it's got everybody in it. It does. And uh, if if you saw uh, Black Panther, was also just amazing so there's a reason why it's getting all this money well black panther came out we were in thailand so we haven't had a chance to see it yet um but we did see i did see justice league on the plane and i gotta tell you i was i was entertained 
Okay. I was entertained. I mean, it's one of those movies that the half, the first half of the movie has to be the whole buildup of him getting the team together, and that's what it was. I thought Flash was, I thought Flash was funny. I liked Aquaman. I thought he was good. You know what you're going to get with Batman and Wonder Woman because you kind of already saw them in the, you know, the Batman versus Superman movie, and Cyborg was a good introduction to the character. A must, not a, more of a well-known one, so people might not have really known who he was and what he did and where he came from, so I thought that was good. The villain, Steppenwolf, I had no, not real idea of who he was, um, so maybe that's what turned people off because it wasn't like Lex Luthor or you know Brainiac or the Joker or somebody else that people might have known. Um, but you know what? I was entertained, and I think, that they could, I think they set it up really good for the next movie where you don't have to go through all those intros again. They're all there, and maybe they throw a Green Lantern in there. You know, maybe they throw um, another character in there that, you know, was in there. Maybe they bring in the Hall of Doom and throw in the Super Friends kind of stuff. You know, and so who knows? Um, but I, I thought it was I don't know if they're going to so, do another one. I hope they do because they set it up to do one. Right. Um, but that movie did not do as well as they thought it was going to do. And uh, Yeah, but it I don't almost know. made a billion dollars worldwide. That's a lot of money. Yeah, but I when mean, you expect to make two, you know. But you know what? I don't think I, I get that. that but, but when you but when you do a movie of two for two hundred fifty million, and you're still making three quarters of a million dollars or half a million dollars, that can fund a lot of projects. Well, true. Uh, it actually did not make its budget back in the U.S. Worldwide. Yeah, it did, but, but worldwide it does, and then we'll see what it does with yeah, the streaming you have to calculate and all that video in sales now. and all that stuff. Kind of adds up. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it made money. I mean, it didn't lose any money, yeah. but it might not have made as much as they thought, but it made money. It, put it this way, it wasn't as dumb as some of those movies that came out, like The Mummy or, you know, some of those other ones. I mean, come on. No way. And <laughs> right. it wasn't the worst superhero movie ever, so I don't want to hear that either. Oh, no, no, not by a long shot. It was in the middle, and I thought it was entertaining, and I saw it for free on a plane, so I can't beat that. That's, yeah, good point. Um, if the film was bad May enough, he would have jumped got, out, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think Eva Air would have cared for that too much. Um, <laughs> then you have um, Melissa McCarthy coming out with her one of her comedies like she does every year, Life of the Party. But then May 25th, of course, I geek out because it's the Han Solo movie from Star Wars. Really excited to see that one. Of course, Ron Howard took over, and I, like, I just like what he does. Um, so we're starting to get the string of the superhero kind of movies because then you got Deadpool 2 coming out June 1st. That should be good. Oh, which one's coming out June 1st? Deadpool 2. So a week oh, after yes. Solo. Yeah. <laughs> so they're going to yeah. be competing for each other there on that one, and we'll see how, how that goes. But Deadpool 1 was fantastic. Um, I enjoyed that immensely. I was surprised. Yeah. yeah. And I will say... It's not for kids. It's rated R for a reason, parents. It's rated <laughs> R moly, for a reason. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's rated R for a reason. For, for a reason. Then there's another one coming out June 8th, and I really don't understand this one. It's, it's Ocean's 8. Um, didn't they do enough Ocean's 10, 11, 12, 13, 14? Because now they're going this back is all women. eight. Yeah. It's yeah, so this is Bullock. Ocean's Eleven, but it's eight women. It just doesn't make any sense to me. 
I, I think there was a joke a few years ago. Somebody said, oh, you know, what are they going to do now? Make Ocean's Eleven, but all with women. Uh, whoever heard that actually turned around and made the movie. So we will and see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, and then June 8th comes out with your favorite person ever, your favorite character. I know it's your favorite character. Finally getting its own movie. Do you know who I'm uh, talking about? Ernest. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ernest did not go to jail again. <laughs> Bumblebee from Transformers Ooh. is getting his own. That comes out June 8th. Well, what was that? June 8th, Bumblebee from Transformers getting his own movie. Oh, wow. I'm so excited. <laughs> I knew you would. But <laughs> your second favorite family is back because I know, you know, I know your first family was, you know, you know, was Roseanne and they're coming back, but your second favorite family <laughs> is The Incredibles 2, man. Finally, we see The Incredibles 2 coming back out June 15th because they ended the first movie like they were going to make a second one, and it only took them, what, 12 freaking years to do it? Longer than that. And, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I cannot wait. Yeah, The Incredibles was funny. And so the baby's now finally going to be in this one, so that's going to be funny too. Um, and then a series is coming out June 22nd that just won't die and really needs to die is Jurassic World 2. Enough. It's over. Finished. You should have just stopped with Jurassic Park, but you keep going. Um, they did say there's going to be a third one. Oh, my God. There already is a they've third already, one. They've that already was, decided that was to Jurassic do that. Park 3. Okay, now this is like the fifth one. <laughs> so I think it should be yep. done, but that's just me. Um, June 29th, I'll take that week off because I'm not going to go see Barbie. Um, but I'm giving you all of them. Yeah, you then are. Then we hit July 4th. Which uh, my daughter is going to love this one because she will she loves these movies and it's The Purge Four. So if people don't know what that is, that is um, it's a horror movie. Purge for what? So, and it's basically about one night where you have 24 hours and you can do anything and everything you want, uh, crime wise, and you will not get arrested. Murder is totally legal. Rape is totally legal. Anything and everything is totally legal, and that leads to a lot of violence and a lot of crime and just a lot of mayhem um so if you haven't seen the purge i suggest you see the first one if you didn't get into that one don't even go see the fourth one because it's going to be just the same shit just a different cast of characters my understanding is that they're actually talking about a television series now too oh yeah how you do that i mean that's a long ass night because these movies are only supposed to be 24 hours long that's the whole idea well i guess if you so just know how that would uh, Talk about everything around except actually showing the day. Maybe you can get a series out of it. I guess, I guess I maybe know. the build up of how it happens and why it happens and stuff like that, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um I don't know. then you have July sixth as Ant Man and the Wasp. Okay. The next. question is regarding that, is it post Infinity War or is it pre Infinity War? But uh, the trailer for that looked very funny. I was laughing a lot, so and, uh, I'm interested. Yeah, in that. And I'm sure. not sure. I'm not sure what it's. I'm not sure what it's going to be. I don't see it on here how they're setting it up. Um, I don't see. Um, then July the sixth, it looks like this is a knockoff of an Austin Pow- uh, Austin Powers movie called The Spy Who Dumped Me, with uh, Malakunas and Kate McKinnon will be in that one. And then one of my favorite 
animated series is coming out with their third one. I love Hotel Transylvania, and Hotel Transylvania 3 is coming out July 13th, so I will be seeing that one. <laughs> okay. I do. I Actually, love it. I, the, it's, 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 I like them, too. I was surprised. They're fun, man. They're just fun. You can sit down and watch them. Yeah, they're just absolutely. funny. My daughter, you know, my, my oldest daughter, we watched them, and, and we just crack up. And also coming out July 13th, there's another rock movie called Skyscraper. So he's now taken the way of Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger together by doing as many action movies as he can in one, in one year. So he's getting a little bit um, tiresome, if you ask me, tired of him seeing well, the same movie over and over and over again. So, so if you want to see something fun, um, the movie poster uh, shows him jumping from a crane to the building. Mm-hmm. And Shocking. somebody took some physics to the poster, and you can find it online. And it shows, depending on how he jumped from the crane, it shows where he crashes into the building or misses it completely and dies. But in every situation, he dies. That's very <laughs> funny. Yeah, but you know. Yeah, and it's a to... reboot of Die Hard. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Now, now here's another series that, you know, this is. I don't know about this one because I loved the first movie. I thought the second and the third weren't very good, but then the fourth and the fifth were kind of really good. And it's Mission Impossible Six coming out July 27th. Um, I, I know am going to be the first in line for that movie. See, because four and five were really film. good. Yes, four and five were amazing, but two and three and sucked. The trailer for this movie is bananas. That's the only thing. It's almost like they go too far, like they're doing with the sky. Like they're going too far with the antics and the things, to where is it just now becoming a movie of how far can you go instead of how good is the story? Because the thing I liked about the first one was that was a really great story. I mean, he didn't do a lot of really crazy antics. Um. He kind of did, though. You know, the the scene breaking into the quiet room, and uh, you had the train sequence, and you had the opening sequence. Uh, but it, the last, the last well, two, well, the opening sequence in the uh, first one was really funny. Uh, that was really good with Emilio Estevez and those people dying, and how all that worked out, and then how he brought it back in his head of how he figured out that it was John Voight that was doing it, and how he mm-hmm. kind of rolled it back in his head of how he did. And that was pretty cool. But that wasn't the one where. What was the one movie? Was it the one the one scene that I always found that was kind of funny was the one where he's on the train and the helicopter propeller stops like one inch from. That's the, the first one. That was the, the first, first one. one. Okay, yeah, that was yeah. that was like that was a little much, but it was like yeah, okay, I get you. Yeah, um, I love. I'm a big fan of the original series as well, and I kind of like the last two, especially because they went back to being team missions instead of just whatever's bad's going on with Tom Cruise. So even though he's doing the funky stunts, you've got other great characters and great team members with him. I'm dying to see this movie. I'm so excited. That'd be good. Um, And then we get, it looks like, and I didn't even know this was coming out, so on August 3rd, this has to do with a major book character, um, and I think it's probably going to be some kind of a comedy. It has to be with these two actors, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, they were in Step Brothers, weren't they? Yeah, now they're in Holmes and Watson. And yes, it's Sherlock Holmes. 
Oh, and it's a comedy role on Sherlock Holmes. I don't know. I don't well, know. I mean, I like the Robert Downing Jr. Time. ones. I thought those were pretty good. Yeah. And yeah, then, for every uh, funny Will Ferrell movie, then you get a Land of the Lost. Sure, you got that right. Um, then, yeah, no, and then on August 3rd, you have another franchise that just doesn't seem to die, and that's The Predator coming back out, another Predator movie. Not, don't really care about that. Um, no. But then this one kind of pisses me off. On August the 10th, when I saw the list and I saw August the 10th, and again, I didn't know that this was coming out, this one kind of really pisses me off. They're remaking a movie, a movie that should never be remade, because it's like, let's remake The Godfather. No, you never remake The Godfather. It is what it is, and that's the perfect – There's no because you can't, you can't make it any better. And so to remake this movie that I'm about to tell you, if you don't know, maybe you're hearing this for the first time, see how just disappointedly pissed that you – and I won't see it just on principle because I know it won't be as good as the original, so why waste my time? Do you know what movie they're remaking? What are they remaking? Scarface. Why? For who, fucking who's, money, who's probably. It? It's a money dump. Who's in it? Um, Diego Luna taking the role of Tony. And it's set in Los Angeles focusing on a Mexican immigrant. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, it's already screwed. So they've taken the Cuban out of Montana, where it was perfect for Miami and that whole tent city and the whole thing and how he had to work his way up. Now he's a Mexican immigrant and he's in L.A. Dumb. I hope it fails, and I hope the other, I hope the Holmes and Watson movie fails, and I hope these remakes fail miserably so they'll stop flipping doing them. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Are you mad? I, I'm just sort of surprised. I well, mean, people still quote from that movie nowadays. Why would you? Why would you tinker with that? The last, it was, and the know, last one on the list. Later. Well, here's the funny thing. The last one on the list, I got a little surprise for you on this one because I got insider information on this one. And the author, he's also on the set, and he's doing the movie, and it's about his book, and he very much would, is going to come on, and he's going to talk to us. And this is probably going to be an hour show, and I was going to let you know about this a little later because I've been, calling, I've been contacting him for like the last six months. Um, but August 10th has a movie that I will go see, without a doubt, uh, because the book was fantastic. I thought the book was fantastic. And the, like I said, the author who's on the scene, he's doing the movie, he's with it, he's going to give us inside scoop, and he's going to talk about it. Uh, the movie is called Meg. Do you know who the author is? Steve Alton. You got it. We've been, we've been Jason, talking back and forth. He contacted so. me about six months ago. And he was kind of giving me updates on the filming and how it is, but he's absolutely going to come on and he's going to talk about this. Well, that took 20-plus years to get made. I know. And, and he us, he so many different it. people were supposed to make that movie. Huh. Well, now Jason, Jason um, Statham is tied Jason to it. Jason Statham. I love him. Yeah. It's going to be great. He's going to be in it. And if yeah, people don't so, know uh, what is Meg, <laughs> think Jurassic Shark. Times five. Yep. 
because that's an actual prehistoric animal is the megalodon, and that is a giant flipping shark, which they actually have a, um, um, a mouth from that shark, and they call it the megalodon, and that's how big that shark was. Massive. And so the book Meg is about that. And now it's probably going to be a movie. And so I can get Steve on, and we're going to talk about that. So that's going to be a great show that, that in August. We'll have him on to talk about that movie and that show. We'll see if, uh, we have to see if Steve can get us Jason Statham, too. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't know, but you never know. He might be able to get some, you know what, he might be able to get, like, the writer of the show on, or the writer of the movie or something on. I don't know. But, you well, know, that's, what that's I'll do cool. is that I'll, I'll email him later this week and say, hey, I see the movie slated for August 10th. Is everything set to go on? How's it going? Blah, blah, blah. And see what we can work out and see what we can get on. That'd be great. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, so we got little nuggets, you know. So there's some good ones. There's some bad ones. There's some ones that, you sh- that, are, that are head scratchers. And then there's some ones that are just ultra exciting, um, <clears throat> I think. There's a little bit of everything there for everybody. There's some weekends you can definitely take off and get your favorite DVD. <laughs> um, now, if they did Scarface meets Bumblebee. Hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> or how, about Scar- how, about, how about this? How about Holmes and Watson versus Scarface? Why don't you just do that again? I mean, it's like, come on. You know, God. Give me a break. <laughs> but, wow. It's going to be an interesting uh, upcoming time for films, that's for sure. It is, and I know that there's more than this. This is just the list that I had. This, so this is probably like the bigger of the ones um, uh, for the blockbusters. But there's there's some on here, you know that I, I you know that I, and I'm very curious to kind of see. Of course, Solo I think is my and Deadpool two um, are the top of my list that I really want to go see. Um, I don't, which one are you ready for? Ready Player One. I mean, I think that'll be interesting. That'll be a good one. Um, I would say it's between Mission Impossible and Ready Player One. Oh uh, yeah, Mission Impossible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and I tell you what, Transylvania Three and Incredibles Two, kind of excited for. Not gonna lie. No, I, I, I gotta lie. say, I'll be one of the first people in line for Incredibles Two for sure. Yeah, I mean that's gonna be that'll be fun. Yep. But um, I have to see the trailer for Mission Impossible Six now because it's, I haven't really seen anything for it, but. There we go, man. That's go go online and watch up. the trailer after we're off the phone here in the I show. Will. I will. It's bananas. And so they, so they're basically kicking off now, though. So uh, summer blockbusters are now starting to become spring-summer blockbusters, the way that they're spacing these movies out to try to maximize as you know, uh, many weeks as they can. Um, I think Black Panther in February was, might start a trend now because it did so well that they mm-hmm. realize that people, if it's a good movie, will go to the movies in February. And you know what I'm curious to see? Because I think that Jimmy Kimmel had this in his monologue, or somebody said it, the eight films that were up did not even make as much money as Black Panther for Best Picture. Wow. So what are they going to do with Black Panther next year, the Oscars? Are they gonna, is it going to be up for Best Picture? Because a lot of people wanted Logan up for Best Picture, and that got snubbed. That was such a great movie. Yeah. And yeah, and so it's like, you know, the Oscars do one thing. It's like they don't care who's watching the movies. It's all about the artistic ability of the movie. But, I mean, I'm telling you, 
you know, people aren't watching that. So people want to know, and you know, this is my view. Why are the Oscars ratings down? Because they're putting movies up that nobody knows what the hell they are. So how are you excited about it? You don't see them anywhere. I mean, I'm in L.A., so I, I can see I was, them all. I remember when I was a kid and uh, Star Wars was up against uh, Annie Hall and Annie Hall won. I'm like, what, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, what are you talking about? But, yeah, I mean, that's why I think it goes it's that way because they're, they're missing out on the movies that people actually are going and wanting to go and see and are excited about. And if you put a Logan, you put a Black Panther, and you give movies like this a chance, then people will, you know, might actually decide, hey, um, this is something worth watching. Now they're actually waking up. But when you have eight movies on there – and none of them are actually major releases, and some of them don't even become major releases until they are nominated, then I think people are like, what, where's, where's this movie from? You know what I mean? So I think that's a lot right. of problem. Yeah. Well, I, I, think, um, I think Get Out you know, was a big hit, and that was nice to see that nominated because that was definitely a crowd pleaser. Yeah. But uh, some of the other stuff too, yeah. Um, I saw Get Out. Um I th- I was bored. Okay. I, it was too. Pre- I thought for me it was, and I love horror movies, but for me it was very predictable at the very beginning about what it was, about what it was, and how it was. And I I, I wasn't, um, I wasn't scared. I wasn't shocked. Um, I, I I was I wasn't really that entertained, to tell you the truth. I was like, oh. It's a bunch of white people bidding on black people. You know, that's kind of fucking racist. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry if you haven't seen the movie, but I was like, okay, that's kind of racist. Um, you know, the only thing that kind of shocked me, I think, was the daughter a little bit, but then it was like, well, she had to be in on it. I mean, that was the whole premise. I mean, she had to be. Otherwise, it wouldn't have worked. Okay. So Yeah. Yeah. All right, spoiler, spoiler warning, everybody. <laughs> uh, that's all right. The movie's been out for so long. If you haven't seen it by now, you ain't gonna go see it right now. So, yeah. well, man, it's been a great show. I think we uh, we've killed this hour pretty well. But Isabella Maldonado, everybody, make sure you go out and get Phoenix Burning, uh, book two in her series, and Blood Echo was book one, and that's available now. Uh, Phoenix Burning comes out March 8th, so if you listen to the story, I mean, it's only two days away, so you can go on Kindle, you can go pre-order it. But Isabella, Isabella. Maldonado.com is her website, so make sure you go check that out. And we'll and, be back uh, in uh, our next show. Weeks. Yes, in two weeks, two weeks uh, we 20th. have Kelly Stanley. Nice. She's hilarious. Yes, and uh, her mystery series, so uh, the Miranda Co- Corby. Miranda Corby. They're great books. Not yet. So Kelly's be great. Nice She's to hilarious. Look forward to She's a Minnesota to gal. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I believe she's a Minnesota gal. Um, yeah, she, but she's just, she's, she's hilarious. We've, we've met her several times at conferences, and we've talked to her with the magazine throughout the years, and Shannon loves her, and she's just great. Yeah, she's fantastic. So she'll be a great oh, guest. excellent. Yeah, I'm looking forward All to it. All right, well, until next time, two weeks later, um, I made it, no malaria. Uh, if you have a chance to visit Thailand or Cambodia, I highly recommend uh, you check it out and do it. And, um, We'll see you all on uh, March 20th. All right. Have a good one. Have a good one. And like we say, keep reading, especially Isabella Maldonado and her book's out March 8th. 
See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.